Hello everybody, you're listening to Fireside with Founders, the podcast that gives you a behind-the-scenes look at some of the coolest startups out there and stories about their amazing founders. So all you need to do now is sit back, relax and enjoy. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Fireside with Founders. I'm your host Rupert McSheehy and this week I have the pleasure of Sonny Drinkwater's company. Hey Sonny, how are you doing? Very good. And yourself? Good. Yeah, very, very good. Thank you. Thanks for, thanks for joining me today. Really appreciate you taking the time out to, to have a chat. I know we were a bit sort of last, lastminute.com trying to get this all sorted, but uh, good to have you here. Thank you. No, I appreciate you inviting us as well. Be, uh, yeah, great to come on and, and speak. Cool. So Sonny is co-founder of WellEasy, which is a business that um, basically helps make uh, healthy living sort of easy and affordable, right? I think is the, the, the basis of what you do. Exactly. In a nutshell, that's exactly what we do. Good. Well, I'll let you uh, describe it a bit more succinctly later. But for now, uh, the inaugural uh, sort of qu- quick fire questions round. So are you ready? Let's do it. Okay. Apples or bananas? Oh, apples. In person or remote? Uh, in person. Okay, yeah, I thought you might say that. Uh, yoga or running? Uh, running. Okay, mm-hmm. you're not going to get into your downward dog or anything like that. Uh, do you know you. what? I've done. I've definitely done a bit of yoga in the past. Uh, nine times out of ten, running is, is like meditation to me. So 100% running. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yoga's hard as well. Like, it's not uh, so hard. It's I actually, easy. funny enough, Rupert, I, I once did, um, have you ever done hot pod yoga? I have. That oh, killed me a bit. Was it called it was like Bikram yoga or something? Like yes. That? Yeah. It's actually it's, it's so exhausting. It's draining. It's uh, very, very tough. I used to get up at uh, silly o'clock in the morning with uh, an old managing director of mine, shout out to Owen O'Neill, and we used to go to this thing, yeah, and basically a load of blokes in their pants sweating their nuts off at so six hard. in the morning. Ridiculous. It's hard enough to hold the poses, but when you've got the heat around you, it's, it's <laughs> very, very sweat. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the sweat the sweat's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> so, uh, snacking or square meals? Uh, square meals, despite what some people assume from first business, but square meals. Okay, nice, cool. Uh, burger or salad? Ooh, salad, I'd say. Okay, I suppose it depends what type of salad. Right. It does depend on the salad. My salads are quite fancy, and a lot of them are covered in olive oil, so it's uh, different. Okay. Yeah, still quite tasty high salad. salad. Yes, yeah, tasty nice. And <laughs> uh, final question: Bitcoin or cash? Uh, Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Okay, cool. Which lead, leads me on to my story that I saw something that you'd posted today about your um, <laughs> buying a fake ID to go clubbing uh, uh, with yeah. thirty Bitcoin. Yeah. indeed that was uh yes tell me those, about it one of those one of those i think it, most people today have got a bitcoin story and they want it one thing or another that someone came across it at one point but uh no just when i was younger um desperate to go out clubbing being a, a july person let your birthdays late in the year all your friends are starting to co- club and do things um decided that i would i would a friend of mine would buy a fake id um, and we bought it online for 30 Bitcoin, which today might well have done our Series B round. Um, so who, yeah. who knows? Who knows? But one of those one of those life lessons, one of those good stories to tell. Um, but yes, definitely a, a learning lesson. And I've got that card there to remind me of, of decisions in the future. That's pretty good going. Yeah, I think there's a lot mm. of those. It's the, the people that have bought, like, paid for Bitcoin uh, pizzas with Bitcoin and things like that. So yeah, you're, uh, that was up there with some of the best. 
I think that's yeah, that's a, that's a very shameful one. I think someone actually commented saying, uh, um, "Look how far you've come." And to be honest, <laughs> I said, uh, may, "Maybe learning-wise, but financially, I'm I'm still biting my biting my tongue as I read this." <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, we'll, we'll, you'll get there. You'll get there. It's all good. We it's will. a good story. Yeah. You live to tell the tale. Indeed. Um, so, so let, before we we get on to where you are now, uh, we're going to delve back into the past a little bit and, and talk about you. So, you studied in studied in Bristol. Um, and whilst you were in Bristol, you you came up with your one of your first businesses when you were there. I did. So, talk to me about that. I did. So, I think I think the business you, you mean when I started is it the one Meridite? Is that the one you're looking That's at? That's the one. Yeah. yeah so, Mer- funny enough, so there was a my my university experience is probably maybe slight. I, yeah, you never know today, but it, I think it was slightly different to to most people's. I I was very 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 passionate about work and stuff and, and all the things that came with it I studied a history degree um, I wanted to originally I wanted to study classics I was a bit of a classics nerd in school um, but went off studied history and to be honest I just kind of fell out of love with it at university I don't know why you know it's not it's not the university's fault I'm, I'm not here to blame anyone um, but I sort of just fell a bit out of love with what I was studying um, but I also fell in love more and more with another part of me that was loving being sort of in and around startups being in that environment learning about Bitcoin, Ethereum, all the different things that were going on around me. Um, and so, funny enough, I had, a, I had a friend of mine that was on, on the same course as me. We did sort of modules in entrepreneurship as part of our degree. Um, really glad that, that Bristol kind of introduced that. Um, and he was a, a friend of mine and we decided, like, it was our second year, you know, we'd seen so much stuff on social media. But one thing that was similar to both of us um, is just the power of, of content, to be honest. Content like this, content like you see online, all the people we were listening to, you know, the impact theories of the world, the Gary Vaynerchuk's of the world. You know, we were listening to all of these people. Um, and we just decided, surely there's, the, there's something we could do online to put all this content, all the positive content that's out there that kind of is actionable content, helps people to do more in their lives. Um, can we put it together in one place? Um, so we've really scrappily built together Meridite. Um, Meridite, funny enough, the traction, you don't quite realize it at the time. I think within about two weeks, we had about 100 users, um, which is actually quite good traction. It's fair going, to be honest. And that was just a case of friends of friends, come on the site, share things, seeing what, seeing what happens. Um, that kind of fizzled out, to be honest. It fizzled out for, for a number of reasons. I think one of them um, kind of didn't really have the right maybe startup mentality behind us at that point to be like, oh, let's launch this thing properly. We won a few little competitions here and there in the university. Um, but the biggest thing for us is that, that we got something off the ground. We got, you know, people, we understood what it was like to build something from scratch. Um, and funny enough, my co-founder from, from that time, Roman, um, has gone on to do some absolutely amazing things. He's launched Kadim. Um, I'm not sure nice. if you've seen Kadim, but Kadim's done their, I think they're just about to do their seed round, to be honest. Uh, but co-founder, um, Roman's done some, some brilliant things. Um, just a really good experience, taking something passionate about, putting it together in one place um, and just kind of got, got my mindset off the ground in terms of what I wanted to build and what I wanted to do. But I think like all things, you're still at university, you still want to go out, you still want to meet people, <laughs> do, do new things and, and can't really kind of focus in on one thing. Yeah, fair enough. And having having been at Bristol myself, uh, you, you, I will add, not the uh, the Bristol like you, uh, but there's, there are lots of distractions around there. So, um, so yeah, I can definitely uh, understand amazing, that. Amazing city, amazing city, great city to be in, great place to be in. It's a really great place, isn't it? Big up mm. to Bristol, yeah. um, and so so look that that leads quite nicely on. So you were starting out founding something from a quite a, an early early stage when you're in university. Thought let's let's go and you know try to build something right, and then you you left finished uni, um, and then sort of can I put it as dabbled in the world of employment? 
when you were working for, for the guys at, uh, at Scribeless? So actually, funny enough, Rupert, that was, that was, uh, this sounds really, really bad because it sounds like I didn't spend any time at uni, but um, I was still at uni, I was studying, um, but I had a love and passion for what I wanted to do. So the whole time alongside uh, university, I, I took jobs in startups or wherever I could work. And two of those happened to be some like really awesome startups. The first one was actually, um, it was a friend of mine, Saf, that launched Helpful Peeps. Um, amazing startup, huge, like brilliant mission basically just trying to connect the world together just to help each other um, and and saw uh, some super interesting things that I learned from SAF obviously had their experience of what they've done and what they've built uh, but also saw a platform that was super successful super you know a lot of traction a lot of members um, but but struggled to, to, to kind of monetize as a, as a company so had a, a really good lesson there um, but spent some good time with SAF and then the next one I went on to was Scribeless as you, as you mentioned um, that was two friends of mine that, that set that up um, I, I worked there for about I think it's about five to six months during university. Um, worked there mostly in, in sort of sales. It was quite, a, it was a B2B proposition in the e-commerce space, but saw a startup that had kind of just closed its fundraising round um, to kind of that, that stage of growth. So how it kind of got more and more customers on board, was preparing for, for another fundraising round, how it was growing the team out. Um, so really, really good experience. And to be honest, uh, just, a, just a very typical startup experience. Great guys, great founders, young founders, really good atmosphere in and around there. So just, had a bit of a, a background, I'd say, you know, still a very humble background. I hadn't led a company by that point. I hadn't built a team, um, but I'd been in and around people that were doing that. So I kind of was inspired to do so. Um, so then when I came out of university, as you rightly said, actually, I went straight into to launching something. Um, I didn't I didn't kind of dabble in the employment thing. Um, and I was fortunate enough to meet my, to, you know, to connect. I connected the whole time with Josh. We've been friends since we were young, um, but he was of, of the same mindset as me. He came out of university. We had a mission that we both felt passionate about really ironically we come together on this same sort of health journey which i'm sure we'll get onto in a second but um we just both decided that let's let's put money where our mouth is let's uh let's do this thing let's see where it goes um i think for us it's probably more risky to to take a job for the next sort of three to four years at you know being so young you've got less expectation on you got less sort of um less financial constraint you know there's no family to to worry about there's no one around you to really worry about at that moment in time um so we decided to to go for it and launch something we're both passionate about and See where it gets us. I love that. And so you say that it's it was less risky to start up a business because most people would be completely the opposite mindset of like the risk is all there to to go and leave something you're doing, um, to go and found a business. You know, you've got loads of unknowns. You know, will it work? Won't it work? Potential, as you mentioned, financial risk of if you've mm-hmm. you know lucky enough or unlucky enough, depending on which way you look at it. But to have a mortgage and all those sorts of things that you have to you know pay to keep living um but you saw it as the other way around because you were in a position whereby you didn't have lots of those things so why not go and start up a business instead of going down that traditional route of go and get a job learn how to do xyz and and then maybe get into it later 100 percent. and i think if you know josh was here as well he'd say the same thing um so you know could not have done this without the support from our, our family and our parents you know we couldn't be where we are now without, without the support that goes about saying right we had we were extremely fortunate to be in a position where a family could support us to, to kind of build this out for a year and, and anything we needed you know we still live very very leanly in terms of food and everything else we were doing but uh yeah couldn't have done it without their support but for us the, the risk would have come down to more um what we'd have learned i think the, the learning that the learning that josh and i wanted to do um we knew that would come from a startup environment, unfortunately. Well, I say unfortunately, but we never had the comparison, right? We just kind of knew early on from speaking to people that the sort of learning that was going to happen in this space um, was what we wanted to learn, you know, how to build a company, how to take a mission and get something up from scratch, you know, how to 
to kind of build in processes, how to build a, a business from scratch. That was the thing that excited us more than anything. Um, and I think for us to, to spend sort of two years um, taking a different path that would not have, have catered towards that um, as someone that's always been quite driven and, and Josh the same and had high expectations of, of what they wanted to do and, and what they thought they were going to do. Um, we would have spent probably two years thinking ah, we should have just launched something. And I think I would never have wanted to fall into the pattern of, of comfortability, um, which I probably would have always broken out of at some point, um, but no time like the present, I guess. And, uh, but also very, very fortunate to have that support. You know, we could not have done it without it. Was there ever a point whereby you were sort of at, at the end of the, the university degree where you came out and you thought, okay, right, now's the time to get, get a job and go out and do that whole yeah, be be an employee piece. There, there was, to be fair. I'd be lying if I said there wasn't. I think like most people, there's, there's always, that is the expectation, right? Whether it's a grad scheme, whether it's something else, that is the expectation. Um, I applied at a few places, but ironically, <laughs> funny enough, it, it seemed like Josh and I were complete, competing for the same positions. We applied, <laughs> both applied to Spotify, both applied to appear here and some other startups are in the space. But, you know, we, we didn't apply for really the conventional grad schemes. We applied more for the startup space. Um, if... Facebook, Google, Spotify would have turned around to one of us and offered us a job. Maybe, maybe something would have been different at the time. Maybe we would have had a, a different thing to, to have. But you know, both our our Spotify internships got cancelled. Um, appear here, we never heard back from. Um, so we, uh, we we sort of decided, look, I don't know if this is just testament to we need to do this, but let's just get on with it and do it. So did you both get accepted to Spotify to go into the internships there, or was it cancelled before? Yeah, so we got we I got through. I think it was I think it was two rounds we got through. Um, I'm not sure if Josh if Josh got through those same rounds, but I think he applied a few other places that I didn't. Um, but I got through. I think it was two rounds. Um, and I, for one reason or another, I don't know if it was to do with COVID or, or if they sort of predicted COVID at that point. No idea what was going on. If it's budget cuts, um, but it was a marketing internship that I, that I applied for, um, and just got an email to say that they they'd stopped all of the uh, the internships for that year and and, and taking the cohort. And that was after. Yeah, two two rounds I got through of that, um, but but applied at very sort of limited places. Most of the places were startups, and that changes all the time. Um, yeah. You know, I think I ended up applying some of the ones I really wanted to apply for. I applied for before I'd even graduated, and obviously I couldn't take the job at that that point in time anyway. Um, okay. So it was a real mix. Fair enough. And then so then we we move on to you. So finishing finishing uni, everything's uh, yeah been applying to a couple of places for for some grad grad schemes. It's not worked out for one reason or another, and then you mentioned the uh, the dreaded word of COVID. And so you you founded your first business April twenty twenty. I mean that is right when it was all kicking off. So um, talk talk to us about your first business and and what what was uh, I suppose the driver for you and Josh to to start it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it'd be, I think the the first announcement was made sometime in March 2020 about COVID and it'd be good to say that oh, we decided a month later that was it uh, but Josh and I have been planning for about two months um, we had been looking in and around the space I think one a good question that that always kind of fascinates me looking back that I know a lot of young people come across is like how do you come up with an idea um, it can also be a confusing one at times yeah um, Josh and I had a space and a problem that we kind of wanted to solve. There were, there were two things that were going on. Like we had this similar health journey at university. Josh had been very ill at one time. I'd gone the usual calorie counting deficit route where he just spiraled out of control. So we had a space that we were both super passionate about. And I think to be honest, as I say, we had this mission that we wanted to make that, how could we bring that to more people? How can we make that more accessible to everyone? Um, the first idea we had, I think actually was a, a productivity coffee. Um, we, called the, we called the company the Floco. 
Um, okay. And it was it was a, it was going to be a coffee that induced you into a flow state. Uh, so it was a nootropic coffee, L-theanine, all of the goods, all in there. Um, and it was going to be this coffee that induced the flow state. And that was the first idea we sort of experimented with. Um, but I think as things progress over time, you kind of understand the market. There was actually a company in America that I managed to speak to the founder to who had done something similar. Um, and he told us a few things that made us think, mm, could this work? Could this not work? How big this, could this be? Um, and then we stumbled across a, you know, something that we thought might be a very good avenue, which is especially during, given a pandemic, you know, you kind of want to make a business that's a little bit bulletproof, right? If it can survive in a pandemic and survive out of a pandemic, you've got a business that, that can ride anything. Um, so we launched the first business, which was which was a healthy snack business for for companies. You know, the, the healthy snack market was growing like mad. Um, as you mentioned earlier, we mentioned about snacking things. So many healthy snacks are on the market today. So many brands doing doing some stuff. And to be honest, some probably better than others, but we'll get onto that in, in a bit anyway. But um, launched a healthy B2B snack business from my parents' garage. Straight off the bat, we were like, this, this you know, Let's take this to businesses. I had experience with sort of B2B sales. I knew how to, to set up processes on LinkedIn, on Sales Navigator and outbound people and you know, get sample boxes yeah. sent through and see how that works. I had a whole process that, that could work. Um, and so we basically just created a brand, really simple idea, box, 10 snacks in a box, care package while people working from home as, as that shift happened. Um, and we just outbound in companies. Um, within about two months, we probably landed the first the first company. Um, I think it was Tallis. I don't know if you know okay. Tal is the company. Yeah, it's yeah, the first yeah. company. Yeah, yeah. Um, nice. And then from big, there, big you know, win. Big win, big win. Um, and then kind of snowballs from there, one after the other. So then started working with Amazon, JP Morgan, Deloitte, some huge names. Um, just from my little, little Gary setup, to be honest. Very, very humble beginnings. Um, and actually fortunate enough to be featured on the BBC and Sky News. Um, I was going to say you got some good press, I think, around around that time, as uh, you know, to to give you hopefully a bit of a bit of a leg up. Did that that help? Oh, massively, massively. Yeah, hell of a lot of exposure. Um, you know, I don't for no idea why, but obviously the BBC wanted me to speak on, on Rishi Sunak's budget the week after. Um, so I, I had no idea who to give my view. So I gave my view on that. Uh, but yeah, a lot, a lot of exposure at the time, uh, which was great. It was amazing for us. And, and that's when we kind of, too much exposure, we, we then outsourced. We took on a fulfillment centre that, that did all of our pick and packing. Um, they managed all the orders. We just sat there to, to build the marketing, build the processes out, and build the team out, uh, if there was going to be a team for this as such. Um, but, and this is the, the, the big <laughs> caveat in all the story, um, why, why did we change? Why, why, you know, why didn't that progress? Why didn't that go on to well easy, which I'm sure might have been a, a further question. Um, and at the time, there was actually a lot of learnings that, that are probably really, really good about this. Um, at the time, Josh and I were, were kind of super scared about, about changing ideas, but it came down to a few things. Um, as I said to you before, we, we had a problem that we wanted to solve um, that we felt passionate about, which was how could we make healthy living more accessible to, to everyone? You know, aside from sort of the conventional five fruits and veg knowledge, we knew about the importance of organic products. We knew about better ingredients, shortening supply chains, you know, incentivizing better choices amongst people and food systems um so we started to learn all of that while we were at university and we had all this knowledge and we were kind of putting it to the back of our heads you know kind of blinkered by the fact of, of building a business and, and kind of pretty much satisfying a tick box right you built a business and it's a good experience building a business for one whatever whatever the motivation is um but we are i think josh and i are very very consumer driven so we were speaking to we were going through hr people speaking to everyone getting these boxes and really just like probably badgering them far too much um and rupert like not a single one of them had any further idea about what it meant to live healthier they had no idea about the snacks they were getting to be honest three out of probably the 10 snacks going out are probably one of the the vegan snacks you see on the market today full of sugar probably full of other ingredients you know it's not it's not actually that healthy 
Um, and there was a huge change happening. You, you know, for the first time ever, the government was endorsing vitamin D. You've got complete awareness of how significant lifestyle choices can affect, you know, people in a pandemic, obesity, diabetes, you know, all of these people that are at risk for, for sort of lifestyle choices. Um, and then you had, which in the startup world, for the first time, grocery disruption has kind of never occurred on the scale that it had before. Yeah. Um, and we were like, look, we, we knew of this, this model that existed out in the US that had done well, this sort of Costco meets Whole Foods or meets Holland's of Barrett type, type model, right? How you can kind of shorten that supply chain, curate a range of products that are genuinely healthy, build the trust of the brand to do so um, and deliver them to, to people's door online. Uh, we knew that model existed. If that was here, we'd, we'd be customers straight off the bat. We, we'd have been members straight away. Um, and we just decided, we, we, it took a while to think about this. We were like, look, we've got a, we've got a business that's profitable. It's a small business. It's not, it's not, you know, people didn't want to do repeat orders. It's not going to grow to the, potentially the scale that we think it will grow to. But it's a big call to be like, are we going to pivot? Are we going to switch? So we actually ran the two side by side. We built out well easy. Um, whilst running SnackSess, we, we basically automated SnackSess as much as we could to like get the revenue from that and test out well easy. Um, and to be honest, like many people listening could probably guess what happened, right? Obviously, the focus shifted. You, you end up focusing full time on well easy. Um, and SnackSess still kind of ran to support well easy, um, but that was that was the birth. And to be honest, coming off the back of, of Christmas, we've got everything set up just before Christmas with the infrastructure, the Shopify store, the questions we wanted to ask. You know how we were going to build the, the infrastructure of this. Um, come February this year, we launched it. And to be honest, there, there's been no looking back. It, it is the mission, the solution. You know, it is just the, the perfect thing for Josh and I to be doing. And the irony is, and, and I know I'm, I'm going on a bit here, but the irony is so many sort of founders today or, or younger founders in particular, they do launch a business at first as probably a successful business rather than uh, a huge personal mission they want to achieve. You know, they probably go on to do that later down the line, right? Once they've got that credibility, once they've built a business to do so. Well, Josh and I have just completely kind of thrown that out of the park, right? We, well, easy, we could do for the next 30 years if we wanted to. Uh, we, we love this. We live this. We live and breathe what we're doing. To speak to our members every day and to know that they're the same as us in terms of like, they love this mission. They want to make healthy and organic products accessible to as many people as possible. Uh, it's just, it, it's, it's brilliant to be doing that. I know a lot of founders say that about the thing, but this is such a personal thing to us and uh, we love it. And what was so you, you when you were making that switch and that pivot, you mentioned obviously it was a tough decision and right, I completely get that because you've got a business, it's working and for the first time it's, it's bringing in some revenue, you've got some traction, you're thinking, I don't know, do we want to go back to zero? What if this doesn't work? What if people don't want it? And all those things probably popping up into your head. But what, what were the, the fundamental things that were um, you're holding, holding you back initially and then what, what made you sort of switch to go, let's just do it? It was a hard one. And to be honest, to throw into the mix of questions, because I'd had that little bit of experience before in being in and around startups, I also knew about the importance of sort of how investors or the outside world perceives you as a, as a founder. You know, are they going to back someone that switches ideas left, right and centre, right? That's obviously a big thing to think about. So I knew that in my head. Um, so that added even more fuel to, to the decision we had to make. What it came down to for, for Josh and myself um, really is that we were we were in this predicament where we were building, as I say, we were, we were very consumer inclined and we were building a B2B business uh, and we were building a good brand on the top of that. Um, but it just wasn't it wasn't fulfilling. As I say, I, I would never say to someone today, you know, that, that whole sort of find a solution to, to, to something. Right. It is, it is. I guess it is how it works for us. We had a problem that that was literally the, the problem that we wanted to solve. Um, and there's only so long you can go with the full knowledge that you're not solving that problem before you look back and think like, what the, what the bloody hell am I doing anyway? 
Um, so I think we ran the two in tandem. And to be honest, being quite frank as well, the opportunity for, for Well Easy that, that stands today, and this is hence, you know, a short comment, hence the fundraising round we've just done, the opportunity of the space that we're in and the impact that could have, it outweighs anything that, that Snackcess could have done, to be honest. Snackcess would have been a great tick box for companies to kind of put through, put through and, and kind of tick it off that they've done something healthy. Well Easy can really change the food system here in the UK. Like we, we wholeheartedly believe that. Like we've seen that firsthand. We can have an enormous impact with what we're doing now. And for us, it, it, it didn't come down to any metrics. There was no there was no evidence or grounding to be like, you know, this is going to produce X revenue compared to that one. Like there was nothing like that. It was literally a case of what's going to have the impact? What are we going to wake up every day for the next 10 years and know that we're going to commit to? Um, and it, it was well easy. Nice. It was well easy. Well easy decision, right? It was uh, a well easy decision. Exactly. Nice. I like it. I like it a lot. And it shows like the, the value of having something that's truly mission driven um, by whoever's running it rather than like say just just building a business because and to make profit and whatever. Um, yeah. You know, although those things are important, then they'll generally they'll come along if you're doing something that, that you believe in and other people can get on board with. Um so look, you mentioned there then, so look, about the the raise. So I'd like to just then talk about Well Easy. And so, look, where are you guys up to at the moment? So you've, you've just done a just on a raise. Um, you know, where where do you go from here? Where's where's the business growth coming? And you know, what does the future look like? No, for sure. Look, we've just done so. We've just done a, a pre seed round, which I mean, sounds amazing, right? When you share it with people, like it's, it was so grateful to be able to do that. And obviously, from the outside perspective, everyone's just like, oh, look, you just got to raise a fundraising round. What they don't realise is that like we did with the previous business, Josh and I have built a business for the last eight months from the garage, you know, going back to the garage, <laughs> straight humble beginnings, the good old lucky garage, understanding contribution margins, understanding logistics infrastructure, understanding audiences, who's going to be here in the UK. Um, you know, is it going to be the same audience that exists elsewhere where this model's worked well? Um, and we've, we've had to learn that inside out. And, and to be honest, coming back to the premise of, of why we're having this discussion, it's, um, it's one of those things that, you know, it's, it's not easy to fundraise. It, no matter what, you know, maybe if you're one of these sort of very credible founders that can go and, and raise X amount in, in two weeks. But as a young founder, it's not, it's not easy to fundraise. Um, and we knew that. Um, so we, we, we built a business more, more so than anything. We, we had to prove, even at this stage, we had to prove a little bit of traction. But we had to prove that Josh and I just knew, you know, everything we could know about this business from, from the little experience that we, that we have as such. Um, so we had a lot of things in our favour when it came to this round. We had we managed to, to be so fortunate in, in meeting Julian from, from Made.com. We met him back in, I think it was about April, May time. Um, mm-hmm. And just pure, pure luck of reaching out to someone that had actually wanted to do this sort of model himself in the UK. Um, was, was free time-wise to kind of get involved with something. Um, and to be honest, Julian, we couldn't find someone that aligns more with Josh and my, you know, mine and Josh's values. Just very direct, very honest. Um, just a genuinely, you know, a genuinely good person to work with um, that just gives us good, good feedback. So we spent eight months kind of preparing for this raise and this raise took us probably, uh, it probably took me about two to three months um, and hindered and slowed down a lot by August. Investors don't ever try and raise in August. Investors are all away. Everyone's yeah. on holiday, which, which they're, they're on can in, in the beach. You know, uh, they're all, they're all lazy and around, which is which they're more than entitled to. Yes, yeah, fair enough. People work hard. That's why they're um, investors, right? Indeed, that's why they're investors. But coming back to, to where we are, so we've just closed around. It was a, uh, it ended up being oversubscribed of all things. Um, we closed it at 370k. Um, so very very small rounds, um, which was we managed to kind of not dilute too much, which is a good thing for young founders to try and kind of focus on. 
Um, you don't want to kind of give away too much of the company early on due to sort of inexperience and things. Um, and we've brought on some phenomenal investors behind us, to be honest. Some, some really great people, you know, people from sort of Reckitt and Kissa, so they've got the e-commerce experience, um, other people that have been in and around the, the e-commerce space with Bauer Collective and other sort of startups that exist today. Um, and people that, people, to be honest, people that just generally love our mission, which is uh, above all, that is such a, a valuable thing to have, to be able to have that relationship with your investors because they love what you're doing as well. It's just brilliant, you know, like I'm pretty sure God, five out of five out of the investors that have already been with us are kind of regular customers. So that is amazing to, to, to be in that position. Um, and the case for us is is we're now raising this money to to prove the traction this model can have. Um, again, going back to being a young founder, there's a lot of stuff you need to prove, unlike yeah. anyone else. You've got to prove these things, and, and we, we knew that, so we kind of got to it. We're not really complaining about it, um, but we've raised a small round basically now to go out grow our member numbers, invest in sort of our performance marketing side, because we never really spent too much on marketing anyway. Um, invest in the performance side of what we're doing. Um, invest a big push in, in one of the areas I believe that well, you can have the biggest impact, which comes from distribution around influencers, ambassadors, and other people in the health space. Um, we we want to be the brand that unites all of those people at the forefront today. Of, of, of re, again, one of the, the mission that we're, the building for one, but two, everything they believe in, they're learning about sort of healthy living and healthy lifestyles and, and the choices they're encouraging. Uh, we just want to be this, the, the brand that facilitates that. You know, we allow people to shop on our on our platform for sort of lifestyles and values that matter to them most. Whether you're gluten free, intolerant to any allergies, whether you're paleo or, or sort of a keto lifestyle, you know, we'll support that um, and allow you to shop easier for those things. Um, and just to be the brand that unites that. So we're, we're doing a big push on the marketing side right now. Um, and for us, the next six months, uh, we want to push on to. We're kind of approaching about 500 annually paying members now in the coming weeks. Um, and that's kind of very humble traction. We're not, we're not shouting about that, um, but it, it's still good. And a lot of our customers are loving what we do. They're repeating, you know, pretty much every month, every two months. Um, and next six months, we want to push on if we can 2000 plus plus members um, and just show what, what, what we can do in this space. I think, I think coming back to, to myself and Josh again, like we, we love this community. We love this space. We love where we're in um, and just kind of working hard to get those processes in place early on. Um, it's been good that we've been able to bring, we've got a full-time nutritionist that's with us that does all of our sort of online content, all of our community management. Um, we've been helped by the Kickstarter scheme to have amazing people come on and help with that regard. Uh, and now it's up to Josh and I to focus and uh, once again, prove prove what we can do, what we can do in this space um, and go on to raise probably the next round in, in sort of May May time next year. Nice. And and so I think I want to take take sort of back a step because you mentioned, you know, obviously having to prove things and I get it right. Being a, a young mm -hmm. founder and that that's the thing that you've not got a track record of doing X or Y in this business or, you know, founding other businesses coming straight out of university. So I, I'd imagine you'd have had to have proved things quite a lot more than than other people would have done who are normally in the position of founding a business. So what was the the biggest, you know, challenge that you had to overcome when when going through that raise especially um as a young founder without that sort of track record and history yeah for sure there's a there's a few things that, that are probably quite common to it i think the first one uh, you know this isn't just a this isn't <laughs> this isn't an easy business to build as such you know this is a retail business that has enormous capacity to scale but obviously requires enormous support capital and, and sort of infrastructure behind it. So it's not an easy business, right? Josh and I have chose, as much as it's personal, we've chose a very difficult business to build, um, but that's that's what we, that's the industry we're in and, and the model we've chosen to go with. Um, so we had to prove that we could, we could manage a model like that, or at least kind of get the get the, the, the groundwork of that 
you know started um so we our fulfillment we, we proved how we can do the fulfillment side we managed to get that to a point where we, we put that to the same guys that they're doing snackcess and so then now run all of well easy um, we've got such a good relationship with them so much control over sort of what goes out what we can do you know special things we can do for members etc um so they manage all of our orders uh, and and that's how they're the business but um We've just been able to prove a lot of things. I think one of the things that comes down to a business, especially a retail business, um, obviously contribution margins. They are, you know, how much profit you make per order. How's it going to work? How's it going to scale in relation to marketing? The benefit of the model we have, although we haven't proved that just yet, is that it's a very high lifetime value model. Um, you know, when you've got that sort of annual membership subscription, as long as someone repeats at the end of the year, the average sort of lifetime is, is probably two to three years for this model. Um, so that's obviously a good groundwork to, to come off, but we can't prove that just yet. So we had to prove other things. We had to prove that we could make money from orders. We had to prove that we could choose the right products for, for an order. We could, we could up our average order value, you know, when we wanted to, we could, uh, retarget, get, get members to repur uh, repurchase based on sort of product suggestions and what we could do on that front. Um, so Josh and I worked hard at doing all that. I mean, we managed to, to get in a position where we understood all that very well. We understood the product set. We understood the audience here in the UK. And we understood the key things that investors wanted to know. The next question that comes on to is how can Josh and I go on to raise the capital to build a business like this? Uh, you know, that got that gets asked a lot by a lot of people. And it's it's a completely fair question. You know, and there's, there's no there's no real answer to that. You know, another founder could come along, raise a, raise a, a bunch of capital um, and probably do something quite similar in the space. Like we, there was no answer to that. We have a few things working our favor. Obviously, Julian's behind us, which is amazing to have his expertise and his knowledge behind what we're doing. Um, but ultimately, you know, Josh and I just don't think about it too much. We 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 raised a small round of what we could get at that moment in time. We didn't dilute too much in terms of this round. Um, it's it's a humble pre-seed, but at the same time, it's enough money that we know that we can prove what we need to prove. Um, and it just comes down to don't 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 think about it too much. Don't be put off by things that are around you. At the end of the day, difficult business means less people are going to do it. So yeah. that's that's sort of how we looked at it. We were just like, right, heads down, raise the money we can get. Let's do this round. Let's get going. Let's keep building. Um, and had the guidance and leadership of Julian behind us that that backed us the whole way. Julian has been so so like on board of what we're doing us as founders how we can achieve this um and just steered us the right way so and we're going to do the same thing for the next round as well same the same thing heads down prove the growth um if people want to complain and, or, or dispute they can dispute but if the numbers speak for themselves and if josh and i can speak for ourselves then then that's all, all there is to it so we just carry on i think that's some really valuable advice as well to, to anyone out there is if you can get down head down and, and prove the growth then it can't be argued with ultimately no matter what what anyone says so um i'd like to to sort of wrap, wrap the interview up by just sort of being able to ask you to offer your i suppose your your sort of core bit of advice if you were to either talk back to your your, your younger self when you were sort of leaving uni uh what well, not even that long ago quite frankly but uh you mm -hmm. know over about a year ago or so um, or anyone who's in a similar position back back you know looking at, at starting a business coming out straight out of university to where you were what, what's the core advice that you would give give someone do you know what it's uh and it's I'm, I'm laughing because funny enough it's the same thing i said back when we did the um the, the bbc article because they asked a very similar question and my girlfriend actually had a she jokingly had a had the quote sort of inscribed on a t-shirt as a, as a bit of a running joke for us but um it's the same advice that i would give to anyone um it's just don't don't and I'm a I'm probably inherently quite an overthinking person, but just don't overthink it. Just do something every day 
that just makes that idea come to life. You know, it makes it seem more real than the day before. Something that, that you even think is completely insignificant, if it is just a conversation with someone that's in the field, it's more than you did the day before and you've learned more than you did that day before. Um, and obviously for, for people, you know, that don't have that expertise behind them, it's so important that you do that. You focus in on everything you can learn at all possible times. Um, and you just kind of, you, every day is like, a, is like a, a compounding effect. It seems it's a bit of a basic analogy when you think of like a snowball, but realistically that analogy exists for a reason. And it is the same compounding effect when it comes to building something, starting a business or, or doing anything, you know, there's nothing, Josh and I aren't intelligent as such. We're not, we're not anything special in any sense of the word. All we are is people that just like will do as opposed to say, we'll just, we'll just, if we have an idea, we'll test it and we'll run with it. We won't just think, ah, oh, it's a good idea. Um, and we've just always been like that. And I think a lot of people in this space are like that. And, but the thing is, that's, that's not something that you have to be warm with. Like you can do that tomorrow. You know, just wake up tomorrow, set the intention tonight that you're going to get up and you're going to do something different tomorrow that brings that idea you're thinking about to life again, or it brings, you know, set a conversation, um, a post on, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, anything about what you're doing that just brings it more real. Yeah. Just do it and just see where just it gets it. you. Just, just like Nike said, right? Just do it. Exactly, and it's it, it's said for a reason, but uh, but that's that's the best piece of life I can give. And I think more the more more people you see in the space, the more you realize people are like that. They're just the people that would just be like, oh, I'm not going to think about something. I'll just I'll just do it and test it. Yeah, um, I love it. That's great advice. I think box. it's really good. It's really 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 good advice. Yeah. So, but Sonny, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. It's truly inspiring speaking to someone who is you know just building something that they've got such a passion for building it from the ground up, you know, learning as you go, but really taking everything on board and just putting into practice all those things that you say you're going to do, just, as you said, just going out and doing it. Right. So I wish you all the success, you know, in, in the world with the, the business, it seems like a great model. So, and, and thank you again for coming on and talking to me. Thank you for your time. And really, really appreciate you. Uh, yeah. You wanting to, to share what we're doing with, with more people. Appreciate that a lot. massive thank you for Sonny for coming on the show uh, really really inspirational to hear his uh, his story and, and how he's so passionate about everything that he's doing um, it just goes to show that in today's modern world you don't need boatloads of experience to, to do things there's opportunity out there for everyone to be able to absolutely grab everything uh, with their own hands and make the most of it so yeah again thank you for coming on Sonny really great to have you on um, next time round, I'm delighted to say that I will be doing my very first in-person podcast uh, with the person who started it all for me, um, Alex Trevelli. I hope you can join us then.